Good morning. Uh, one other thing I wanted to uh, connect with you about before we get started. Uh, out in the foyer, you probably saw, saw a table with Tapestries of Love, and Lori Cox is out there. Uh, Tapestries of Love is one of the organizations that we uh, partner with through our global missions here at Bethel. And uh, so she's got some information about that. That's a mission in Guatemala. And if you're interested in uh, that ministry or missions or just want to connect with her about that, she'll be out in the foyer. And she'd love to connect with you. She's right back there waving her hand. And uh, so thank you, Lori, for, for being out there with us today. So <clears throat> one of the items, this picture, Jill sent me this uh, this week, sent to our staff team. And uh, uh, she knew that I was preaching on community, and she sent that, and I said, I'm definitely going to use that in our uh, sermon this morning. And I don't know if you've met our, our community group. It's a migrating one, and uh, they meet in our pond every year. And uh, <laughs> it's just so cute. I wanted to use this this morning because you see aspects of community in, in, in these geese. They show up every year. And they gather together, they gather in the pond, they gather on the parking lot, they gather on the drive into the parking lot, they gather on the grass together, but they're always uh, gathered together. And uh, you can hear them talking to one another, they kind of bark, you know, I'm not like a dog, but you know, you hear geese barking at each other. Uh, <clears throat> I don't know what other to call it than barking at each other, but uh, so, so they honk, there you go, they honk at one another. So... <laughs> They're, they do that. They honk to one another, talking to each other. They protect one another. I don't know if you've come here during the day or in the morning or afternoon, and, and they are, they be, they'll sit right in the middle of the drive coming, coming in. And here I am with my truck, big old truck. You know, I'm honking a horn at them, you know, and, and they're just staring at me, you know. They'll be the ones up front that are protecting the rest of the group that are all there together. But they protect one another. There's always a leader that's there. Jill sent another video. Uh, to us that had, you know, they were, they were going down into the pond, and, you know, the leader, he's just taking them right across there. But you'll see him on the parking lot. That, that, that leader will be honking, and they'll be following him, and uh, all over the place, he's protecting them <clears throat> as a leader. And it's just a, it's a beautiful thing, and it gives us a picture of, of really community together. And you see community all throughout uh, nature and in life a gathering together that God's created us to, to be together, okay? And uh, you see it in all, different, in all different forms. But it got me thinking about what community is in, in our sermon today. In community uh, definition, it says here, community as a, fel- a feeling of fellowship with others as a result of sharing common attitudes, interests, and goals, Okay? Fellowship with others as a result of sharing common attitudes, interests, and goals. So then it got me thinking, well, what is, what is the common interest that we share in biblical community? Jesus. There you go. All right, Denny, thank you. Okay, Jesus is our common interest. The cross of Christ is our common interest in biblical community. And gathering together. So uh, uh, in that being that common interest, you know, God created us for community. We all crave community and belonging, okay? If you think back to high school, you want to be part of this group or part of that group or part of this community. 
Think about your workplace and wanting to belong. Okay, it's innate within us. We want to be part of something. We want to be part of something that's uh, where we can truly belong and be a part of something that's bigger than or greater than ourselves, right? Okay, and we think about that. Uh, So what is, really the truth is that we need, we need each other. We need truth. We need the truth uh, to rely and depend on one another. God gave us uh, each other to walk alongside, to encourage, to spur one another along in love, to carry each other's burdens, to care for the practical needs that we have in life, to warn each other of sin in our life. Do you have those people in your life? You should. You should. And to rejoice with us when we rejoice. There's all kinds of communities in our culture today. But biblical community, a community of other Christ followers, helps us to stay focused on who God is, who he is. And in the New Testament, in the early church, as we see it begin in Acts chapter 2, it's an incredible example of community, and it comes to life. We see the community of believers come to life, uh, and we can look closely at this community and see the desire that God has for us to be in community. Okay? So let's look at this together. We're in Acts chapter 2, and we're going to start with verse 41. I'll let you guys turn there. Got your Bibles? Turn on your phone. Turn them on. You got your pages? Turn to that. <clears throat> Starting with verse forty-one, it says, "So those who accepted his message were baptized, and that day about three thousand people were added to them. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles." Now all the believers were together and held all things in common, and they sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Every day they devoted themselves to the meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joy and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day the Lord added to their numbers those who are being saved. Let's pray together. Father, as we look at your word today, Lord, I just ask that, um, Lord, we need your help. I ask that you would just allow us to let go of the things of today, this week, this morning, and Lord, that we would focus on you. We're here to meet with you. Lord, speak to our hearts. Help us to know you, understand you, and live for you in a greater way. Lord, we love you, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> One of the first things that I see in, uh, in this passage is uh, God calls us, God calls believers to biblical community. It's something special. It's for something special, something greater than us. God created us for a relationship with him, and he created us for relationship with others, okay? In Acts, we see this. 
We see it here in chapter 2, salvation of the lost and a restored relationship with God, that vertical relationship. And then we see relationship and biblical community begins and relationship with each other. 3,000 added to them that day. Can you imagine that here at Bethel? Scoot over, make room. Okay, 3,000 gathered, come to Christ that day, and we see biblical community begin. He calls us to it, but he calls us to a devotion, a devotion to one another uh, that only he can do. He calls us to devotion. Uh, Monday night, <clears throat> I was watching TV. I don't know if you guys have seen these or not, but there are documentaries on like the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s, okay, and they do these documented the major things that have happened within those decades and I was watching a documentary on the 80s of course I was in high school late 80s graduated in early 90s but um, so I remember some of this and what they were talking about with the late 80s and and particular Apple uh, came into being during that time and Steve Jobs um, you know creator of of Apple and uh, leading leading that charge and, you know, with, they were talking about how he, um, his, his desire was not just to create and sell a product, right? But his desire was to create a place to belong, a community built around his product. I don't know how many, got, how many Apple users we have in here, okay? We got a bunch of them. Have you ever been to an Apple store? Yeah? Okay. I was just there not too long ago getting a battery replaced my phone. As soon as you walk in that place, they make you feel like you belong. I mean, it's just like unbelievable the amount of people that they have per person that's in there and they connect with you and they're asking about who you are and about, you know, they're creating this place to belong. And <clears throat> Apple folks are devoted. They're devoted to Apple. Here, I got my Apple Watch. I got my Apple phone. You know, uh, I've got my Apple computer. You know, they're devoted people. Okay, and there's always the Apple Android debate and all that kind of stuff. But um, he's created this community. But really, we want to think about the early church, and they were they were committed to one another. They were committed to the body of Christ. And we can be committed to all kinds of things, all kinds of different community. But here, God calls us into community, calls us to be devoted to one another. Um, <clears throat> in the early church, specifically, was, um, was a community devoted to the spiritual and, re- and relational vitality. You see it in the teaching. They were devoted to teaching and prayer in verse, 40, verse 42 and to sharing in the Lord's Supper. They were devoted to worship and miracles, and these were all signs of their spiritual devotion to one another, to God, and to each other, that there was spiritual vitality within the church. And then you see it for, in fellowship, and sharing of their funds and possessions, the breaking of bread and home to home together. They were sharing their lives with one another and relational devotion to one another, okay? It was an out, 
flowing of their relationship with God and transformation in their hearts. What did it say? They were in awe. They were in awe of what God was doing. And uh, they viewed community as the context of, within the context of knowing God and knowing others. And their lives were enriched with togetherness. And this relational connection was a place for them to belong and to become. Think about your life. As we're talking today, as I'm sharing with you this morning, think about your life and your relationship with him and your relationship with others. I think uh, another thing that we see here that we're called to not only devotion, but called to compassion. In verse 44 and 45, it says, Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They, told, uh, they sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to, to all as any had need. They were sharing their lives together. Over the years, I've noticed that right or wrong, that people rarely experience compassion when they're not engaged in community. They rarely experience compassion when they're not engaged in community. And why is that? And I think it's because there's a, there's a giving and a receiving to compassion, right? There's a giving and receiving side of compassion, and both sides should be present in community, okay? When, when your life falls apart, you lose your job, you're in the hospital, your marriage is a wreck, Compassion often comes from your community of close friends, right? Are you involved in community? When others in your community find themselves struggling with these similar needs, you have the opportunity to serve them, to connect with them, to show compassion and love and care for these people. In community with other Christ followers, we experience both sides of compassion, and should. In fact, it's community that helps us face unexpected circumstances of life that we run into. Third thing I see here that we're called to is called to frequency. Okay, the early church didn't let options get in their way. They met together every day, right? The temple worshipped together, cared for one another. You could argue, well, that they had fewer options to choose from. It's probably right. They're not running the coals or going in the ball game or, you know, whatever. Uh, but they also had fewer conveniences. Today's options sound like this. I'll engage in community unless dot, dot, dot. Okay. It's Labor Day. Or, my favorite sports team's playing today. Or, I have a busy work week ahead. Or, it's been a really long day. You know what I would want after a really long day? Is love and care and compassion for my community. Encourage me, you know. Hmm. Uh, I'm going to tell on my daughter a little bit. Uh, she's not here, but... Um, when we go away 
either on vacation or we're out of town, <clears throat> we always try and find somewhere to go to worship. We just do. You know, we just do. And because it's important for us to be in community amongst his people in the body of Christ, you know, and connecting. You know, and Megan will be like, we're on vacation. Why do we have to go to church? I was like, well, we're not taking vacation from church, you know. We're in relationship with the Lord and relationship with people. And so we do that. But in other words, we're, we'll engage in community if there's, there's nothing better that comes along. There's a saying, everybody wants friends, but nobody wants frequency. Right? Everybody wants friends, but nobody wants frequency. Why? Because frequency means getting to know people. People getting to know us. Being in relationship with people. Deeper than surface. Talking about the weather. Okay? We have to engage with people. Frequency means I might be inconvenienced. Frequency means I'm going to put a community mindset above an individualistic mindset. But you know what? That, that rubs us the wrong way, right? In our self-made, self-centered culture and nature, that rubs me the wrong way. But yet, frequency increases intimacy in our community. And intimacy means the relationship is more than casual acquaintance. It's real friendship and love and care for one another to the point where they're sharing. They're sharing all that they had, selling their possessions. Okay? You can't experience that kind of relationship without frequency. It takes commitment on our part to be intentional, to be committed to one another, to the Lord. In Hebrews 10, verse 23 through 25, it says, let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering, since he who promised is faithful. And let us watch out for one another to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. In this passage, you see the importance of gathering together. Not neglecting to do what? Meet together. As was the habit of what? Some. They were in the habit of not meeting together. Okay? So how do, how do we create habits? We're doing something over and over, right? Okay? Like, I don't know, they say, what, it's like 40 days to create a habit, right? Okay? So are you missing worship and community group for 40 days to get in the habit of not meeting together? Some are in the habit of not meeting together. Encouraging one another. They were holding fast to the confession of their hope and considering how to spur one another in love and good works. <clears throat> Is this not a description of what we see in the book of Acts? Wow. When we are committed to meeting together, we are drawn to one another relationally, being involved in each other's lives in a greater way. When we are close relationships with other believers, we have people that can pray for us. We have people that can support us, encourage us, exhort us, and serve alongside us. 
We have people that can minister to. But like any relationships, there's difficulties even within Christian community. But you know what? It's totally worth it. It's totally worth it. Totally worth it. I can differ from Drew, still love, care for him, lift him up, pray for him. And our groups, we don't always agree about things, but we can love and care because he loved us. Second thing that I see here in this passage is God works in and through his community. He's working in and through his community, through the Holy Spirit. In chapter 1, verse 8, this first part here of chapter 1, he's talking about the Holy Spirit being promised to his church. Verse 8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He promised them the Holy Spirit to supply the power that we need to be the body of Christ. Not only to love him, but to love each other, and to serve each other, encourage one another. <clears throat> there in chapter 2, in verse, uh, thir- verse 38, it says, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. A promised gift for us. It was working through us, through me. God chose me. He chose you to work through you. God didn't choose, Jesus didn't choose the elite people. He chose the fishermen to be his people, to be his disciples. He uses us. And the community was in awe of what God was doing. They were in awe of what God was doing through the people. And it wasn't just something beautiful. Um, this week was Cindy and I's 20th anniversary, and uh, she surprised me with flowers. First time she, I think you've gotten me flowers in 20 years we've been married. But it was awesome. There was a dozen roses, she had them delivered here, and they were beautiful. They were absolutely beautiful. Even awe-inspiring. They were just God's creation. They were beautiful. But here we see not just something beautiful. We see the people of God being used by him through the Holy Spirit. And it was awe-inspiring. It was beautiful in what God was doing in his people and through his people. And we see the church grow, adding numbers every day. Those who were being saved. Do you see him at work around you? And are you filled with awe? Or do you just see life in front of you? The struggle of life. Are you part of what he's doing? And see him at work and be in awe of what he's doing in your life and in those around you. But you also see him working through wonders and signs. The church was active in sharing their faith. And we see it happen right here, 
right after in, in chapter 3 here. This is the story, and you may, you may know it. This is Peter and John. They're going to the temple and, uh, for prayer, and there's a, the man that's outside that was lame from birth. You remember? Okay. And he, uh, uh, outside the gate called Beautiful, so that he could beg uh, as people were coming in, and he sees Peter and John about to enter the temple, and he asks them for money. You remember the story? Okay. And Peter, along with John, they look at him, and they're like, hey, look at us. And the guy takes a look, and he's expecting to get something from them. And what does, John, what does Peter say to him? Money I don't have. Silver and gold I don't have. What I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus. Get up and walk. What does he do? He gets up and he walks. And he praises God. And he goes into the temple and his legs and his ankles are strong. And he's praising God and he's walking and he's leaping. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they're like, man, isn't that, isn't that Joe from like outside the temple who was lame, right? And it says here, so they were filled with awe and astonishment at what was happening to him. We see God at work right away. And then the second half of chapter 3, what does it do? It provides an opportunity for them to share the gospel, right? They see God at work. The people see God at work. And and it gives them a, an opportunity right away to share the gospel and to see people saved. God was at work. The Holy Spirit is at work through the church. And you know what? He does the impossible. He does the impossible. Not, be, not of us. The power of the Holy Spirit working through us. He does the impossible. Only what he can do. And we also see that he worked through them through their generosity. The community was generous with their time, their possessions, their homes, their joy, and their favor. So here's what I'm not asking. I'm not, I'm not asking you to go out and sell your house and give the proceeds to Bethel. It's not, it's not what I'm asking here. Okay. But would you give your home... For a community group to meet in? Would you give yourself to lead a community group? Would you give of your time to meet with someone for dinner who needs encouragement? I went to Texas um, a little over a year ago and I went to a small group training. Maybe it's been two years now, but um, I was, uh, as part of this training, we meet as a small group like a community group would, and uh, I was the co-leader for that training time, and I was kind of sitting in to help with that and apprentice during, uh, to model and being a, an apprentice for the group, and <clears throat> the leaders of that group were sharing, and they were talking about being intentional, being intentional with people, and they shared this story um, about how that very day, they had been talking together about that very thing, about being intentional with people and connecting with their group and being able to minister to them and being available. And um, as they were talking, they were making dinner, and there was a couple that called. And they said, hey, do you have, 
would you be available to go to dinner? They're in the middle of making dinner. You know, I'm inclined to go, well, uh, tonight's not really good. Maybe, you know, maybe tomorrow night, you know, we're in the middle of making dinner. Well, they stopped what they were doing. They stopped making dinner. He's like, hey, you know what? We'll meet you, you know, 45 minutes, we'll meet you at blah, blah, blah. They went to dinner with them. And <clears throat> as he was explaining, he said, um, you know, when, when we started leading a community group and our hearts started to change about loving God and loving people, we had to become yes people. I'm like, well, what does a yes people mean? What does a yes person? He's like, we had to be willing to be able to say yes. That that would be the first inclination of our heart is to say yes and be available and be available for people to be a yes person in their heart as it relates to God and to people. And it was just, it was inspiring for me and it really convicting for me as well. Is my first, was my first inclination to say yes, to be available, to love people. Generosity and community gives you a chance to be around people at different stages of their faith journey and to bear one another burdens alongside them. It gives us that opportunity. And that's awesome because everybody has something to teach and to, to learn in community. In fact, it creates the individual in, uh, an ideal environment where you can be a Barnabas, an encourager for someone, or maybe pursue a Paul, a teacher, or train a Timothy, a student. You have those opportunities when we're available and generous with who we are. But you also see them at work through love and unity. This passage concludes with an interesting statement. Every day, the Lord added to their numbers who were what? Being saved. When you look at the teachings of Jesus, he made it clear that two qualities, love and unity, would precipitate people coming to God. In John 13, 34 and 35, it says, I give you a new command, love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are what? My disciples, if you love one another. Then in John 17, <clears throat> Jesus is praying for his disciples. He says, pray not only for these, but also for those who believe in me through their word. May they all be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe you sent me. The love that we have for one another and the unity that we have with each other God uses to draw unbelievers to himself. And you see it within the church here. You see it in the book of Acts. Others noticed what God was doing, and they were drawn to the community of faith. <clears throat> 3,000 added in one day. Then it says those were added daily. I don't know whether that was 3,000 every day. Can you imagine that? Or if that was one person every day. 
20 people every day. People added to the community. Others noticed what God was doing, and they were drawn in, and he was using them in a powerful way. The third thing that I see in this passage is that God blesses his community. He blesses his community. Community is life-giving. It is life-giving, and it's essential for us as followers of Christ to be involved and connected in community. And God blessed them. Pastor Tim referenced this passage last week in Romans chapter 12. You can turn over there with me in verse um, 4 and 5. It says, Now as we have many parts in one body, and all the parts do not have the same function, in the same way we who are many are one body in Christ and individual members of who? One another. Connected together. We are part of one another. We need all the pieces of the body working together, and it's a blessing It is a blessing when the body is working together. Um, And it's life-giving and refreshing. When I, I have psoriatic rheumatoid arthritis. Some of you may know what that is. Some of you may not. It's an autoimmune disease. And basically my body attacks itself, specifically in my joints. And when my body is not, functioning properly, it's a disaster. It's horrible. I don't feel good. I don't want to do anything. I don't want to move. I just want to rest. And it, and it doesn't, my body just doesn't work right, and I suffer at times because of it. Now, I take medication for that, and when the weather's good, <clears throat> and my medication is working, and things are good, it's life-giving, and it's refreshing, and I don't feel the pain that I feel, and it's just, it's awesome, because my body is working the way it's supposed to, okay? When the body of Christ is working together, it's life-giving and refreshing, and it's a blessing that God has given us to one another. We need each other. When the body is functioning properly, it is a tremendous blessing. But also, God, he meets the needs of his people. He blesses us through the meeting the needs of each other. God met the physical and spiritual needs of his people. It showed itself in the, in the passion that they had for the lost and the passion that they had for one another. Meeting the spiritual needs. There was spiritual engagement through teaching and prayer, celebrating the Lord's Supper together, and fellowship together, sharing the gospel Physical needs were met to any who had need. Housing and food and possessions and monetary need. There was joy in him and there was joy for each other. God added to them daily. You see the blessing of God added to them daily, the salvations that were coming. The community was unified together. We see it here in verse 44, but we also see it in Acts chapter 4. He reaffirms what's going on in verse 32 through 35. It says, Now the entire group of those who believed were of one heart and mind. Can you imagine if we were all of one heart and mind? 
And no one claimed that any of his possessions were his own, but instead they held everything in common. With great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was on all of them. For there was not a needy person among them, because all those who owned lands and houses sold them, brought them the proceeds of what was sold, and laid them at the apostles' feet. This was then distributed to each person as any had need. They were unified. They were headed together in the same direction, accomplishing his will. Community overflowed with love and sincerity and thanksgiving. It was awesome. What a blessing. Bethel is a place for you to be connected in community. Bethel is a place for you to be connected in community. God has called you to be used by him and to experience his blessing. So you may be asking yourself, what's the big deal? Do I really need to be connected in community? Do I need really to be connected in a community group? Do I really need to be at church every week? Yes. Yes, you do. You do. You do. He's called us to community, to be in relationship with him and to be in relationship with each other. Because if you're not, you're not being discipled. You're not discipling others. You're, just, you're not. God has called us to be disciples who make disciples. And if you're not in community, then you're not, you're not being discipled and you're not discipling others. Hmm. So here's some action steps for you today as our praise team is coming. Number one, commit to doing life together with other Christ followers. Be committed to the church. Be committed to worship. Be committed to connecting in community group. Number two, <clears throat> seek out a community group in which to experience redemptive community. And number three, find ways to use your gifts and talents to accomplish the mission of the church. He is still at work. He is still at work, and his Holy Spirit is moving in people. He's moving in people here at Bethel, and it's awe-inspiring. It is so cool to watch. Allow him to use you. Be obedient to his call to be connected in community. Let's stand. Let's sing together.